0: it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 689 for June 20th, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, we have a very different episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond light On the awesome Kilowatt Podcast, which is a show all about electric vehicles, host Bodie Grimm asked me and my husband, Steve, to be his guests on the show. Now, you really shouldn't be listening to it here. You should go subscribe to the Kilowatt Podcast instead and listen to it there. But Bodhi insisted that we should share the love, and he let me broadcast it for you here as well. Steve and I had a blast recording with Bodie, and we hope you'll enjoy it as well. Before we started recording, Bodhi said he's bad at doing introductions, so just to be silly, he let me do the introduction to his show. Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the no Silicast podcast, welcoming you to the Kilowatt podcast, hosted by Bodie Grimm and with special guest Steve Sheridan. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hi. Thank you, Allison. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much. I, you know what, Allison, I'm going to have my guests introduce the show for now on. I think that's a good way to go versus me doing it. You did such a better right.
0: job. <laughs> I may have done it a few times. Yeah,
1: a couple. So I, I wanted to have you guys on because you both have Teslas and you are both, you both have a geek cred and you have Teslas, but I didn't want to talk about how great the Teslas were. I wanted to talk about the fiddly bits, which is a segment on Allison's show, NozillaCast. I want to talk about the fiddly bits um, that uh, that you find with your Tesla. So those little things that annoy you or just the things you have to work around. Is that pretty much what the fiddly bits are, Allison?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think this is a great idea for a show because uh, if you go to work and you say, oh, my wife was so sweet last night. What are your buddies going to say? I don't want to hear about it. But if you go, you can't believe what she did last night. They're, they lean forward and go, what did, they, what did she do? So this is going to be one of those. We're both huge fans of our Teslas, but you're going to actually enjoy it because we're going to tell you what we don't oh, like. Okay.
2: And I think that that lends credibility to the comments of the things you do like, because you see both sides, basically, and we do. Yeah, that.
1: and I think... As a general rule, like if you truly love something, you should hold it accountable for – for like if you love Tesla, mm-hmm. you should hold Tesla accountable for the things that you like and that you don't like. And it, that includes everything from the way the car works to maybe the way they treat labor. <laughs> it goes all the way down the line as far as I'm concerned. And that doesn't mean you don't like the company so much. It just means that these things bother you and, and you want to hold them to account for these things. But this is going to be a lot more fun. There, there is a
0: normal human. Go ahead. There is a normal human tendency, though. There, there's, there's a name for it in psychology. That thing where after you buy something, you have to st- always only talk about what's good about it because otherwise, you you feel like maybe you made the wrong decision.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Especially when you're buying something, so you have that's, to fight against. You know, above fifty thousand dollars, you know, you're going <laughs> to find every reason to love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: So you guys have both made lists. So um, I'm going to let you guys fight who, who, like Battle Royale, who would like to start? Because I know yeah. that... Go ahead.
2: Allison always starts.
0: We should talk about what we have, though. But we should talk about yeah, what we have first. Oh, yeah, that's think, a very Which good cars idea. we have? Good idea. So when, when I wanted... Uh, I did not need a new car. I had a perfectly wonderful uh, Acura TL, and uh, uh, my friend Rod Simmons decided that... <clears throat> I should go test drive a Model 3. And the way he got me to do it was by telling me not to test drive it. Because he said, if you test drive it, you will buy it. And I was like, oh, no, I don't need a new car. And so I went with Steve. And the whole day, Steve was like, you're gonna buy it? You're gonna buy it? You're gonna buy it? Because <laughs> I think he loved it. Now, I loved it too. But he was like, pushing me to buy it. Uh, so I got a Model 3. Uh, I think it's just turned two years old. I got the uh, red uh, high performance, and uh, Steve convinced me that I really needed custom wheels on it, too. Very nice. <laughs> Steve had a lot to do with upping the uh, game on this one.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Nope. How about and you, then, Steve?
2: And then after a year of driving Allison's car and me going to back and forth between her car and my ICE car, which was an Acura RDX, uh, you know, a small SUV, um, I said, I gotta have a Tesla. I, I at least have to have an EV, but Tesla is what we were familiar with. A few of our friends have them. And they had just come out, or they were about to come out, with the crossover SUV version of the Model 3, which they call the Model Y. So I put my order down five months before they released the car. And back then it was, I think I had to put down either $500 or $1,000 to reserve the car, uh, which is fully refundable if you didn't go through with the order. And um, about five, six months later, I got the car. So it's been just about a year now. So Allison got hers in 2020. I'm sorry, 2019. I got mine in 2020, both mid-year.
1: Which package did you Actually- get? Actually, I,
2: I got the same as Allison. I got the performance model with the... So it's weird. Uh, Tesla labels something called the performance model. And then on top of that, they have the performance upgrade package, which which... In addition to having the the dual motor, higher performance motors front and back, it has a few other things like the spoiler and the the, the broader wheels and the and uh, the you know the brake and accelerator pedals and things like that. Uh, so we both got that package.
1: Okay.
0: So Steve, I think a, a good place to start on uh, what's annoying about Tesla is the ordering process is incredibly easy. You literally go online, press a couple of buttons, give them a credit card, boom, you're done. You bought a car. But it's that delivery process that is so frustrating. Mine wasn't bad because the Model 3 was in full production, but you don't know when you're getting the car. You literally don't know. You just sit there going, okay, hope they tell me sometime, and they don't, there's no way to talk to anybody to find out. And so you went through even more aggravation because your car was going to be delivered right as the pandemic was hitting.
2: Right, And the, I, it got to the point where I was, you know, I'm getting on all of these online forums like the Tesla Motor Club and the Tesla Forum and so forth, and they were giving hints about how to go into your Tesla account page and look at the developer's uh, source to to peel down to find a VIN if and when it pops up and when a VIN is available that has the right four starting numbers which identify it as the car type then you can tell your car has started production so i went down that deep just to find out when my car was in production cuz they as soon as they pr- they produce to your order you don't you're not buying off a lot you're not buying off a whole grid of them you place the order they build to order and then When your order starts, the VIN is assigned, it's available, uh, buried in code on your uh, Tesla account page, which you can find, but you got to dig. And so then I know within a a certain number of weeks, my car would finally become available.
1: Yeah, Sierra and Brad took their—Sierra's my oldest, and Brad's her boyfriend—they took a delivery of their Model 3 in December— right before christmas but they had the same problem it was like once they ordered it it was pretty much radio silence until they got their mm-hmm. vin and then even then there wasn't a lot of information yeah we just knew there was a push to get it everything out the door by the end of the quarter so that's really what they're counting on to get it before the end of the year
2: and they did
0: with well, steve ran into yeah. an, an even good steve ran into an even weirder problem was uh He was trying to decide between the black and the white, and he went back and forth, black or white, black or white, black or white. Finally went black. I definitely want to get black. I definitely want to get black. And then uh, right when his car was supposed to be starting to be built was when Tesla was being forced to shut down their plant. You remember Mm -hmm. Elon raised a big snit because, you know, human life isn't as important as Steve getting his car. <laughs> and uh, so he was right in the middle of that snit when when Tesla contacted Steve and said, hey, it's going to be months before you get the black. You want a white right now? And
2: that's classic I'm Tesla. Like, no. They'll do a, mm-hmm. uh, they'll try to switch on you uh, with promises that you can get it sooner a lot. If they, yeah, if they gotten, have others available.
1: Right. And I've gotten a couple of emails that say, hey, I, we know you're looking for your Cybertruck, but would you like to buy a model three in your area right now.
2: Yeah. There you go. It's <laughs> just starting. You
0: can carry it in the back of the no. cyber truck in the meantime. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so,
0: well, I think one thing we should get into it, it, people love to talk about the range, right? That's the biggest thing. Everybody thinks that the, the, you know, but how far can you go? How long does it, uh, you know, how long does it take to charge all that kind of stuff? And, um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot with range and with, with charging is people get obsessed with what happens when you're on a long road trip because they imagine that every day of the week they're going to drive from L.A. to Florida – Right, yeah. that's that's the use case they're going to design the entire car for in the use case, right? So um, I started thinking about, it, and sure, every you know the trip is going to take longer if you're driving an EV. Period, it's going to take longer. Whether it's going to take a lot longer, or a little bit longer, that's you know you can get into all the calculations and everything. But what you don't take into account is the day to day use of that car. How many times a week do you fill your car with gas? Let's say after COVID times, when you're driving to work and everything, you know. Typical maybe once a week. Maybe if you drive a lot, it's a couple times a week. How long does it take you to stop for gas? Not that long. But when you go to stop for gas, aren't you going, Ah, oh, God, I'm going to be late for work because I forgot to get gas last night. I'm going to be, you know, it's maybe it's only 15 minutes, but, you know, you got to take, you got to get off the freeway. You got to go down this ramp or whatever. You got to pull over. You got to deal with it. You got to get gas on your hands and everything. We spend zero time doing that, as close to zero as you could measure. It's like fifteen seconds. I drive into my in my garage and I plug in my car and I go I go in. You know, it's the time it takes me to take my cups out of the car. So, I think taking into account the the day to day, how much time do you waste? Uh, you know, multiply that out for a year, and then compare it to how many road trips you actually do. You're actually going to spend less time waiting around for for charging than you are for for filling your car with gas. So that's my introduction to talking about what makes me crazy. Figuring out how far I can drive, it should not be this difficult. It is – you just – you have to think about it. There's a lot of stuff. Like ice cars are affected by a lot of the same things, right? If you drive up into the mountains, you're not going to get the same range that you get when you're driving around town, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously. Obviously. But do you ever think about that when you're when you're driving your car when you're filling it with gas? No, that doesn't come into the equation. You don't think about it. You don't think about the fact that whoa, there was a headwind. But we have to think about about going up hills. We have to think about the headwinds. We have to think the fact that Steve got bigger wheels meant that he doesn't get the rated mileage that they they talk about. That actually affected it. I I, I forget how, did that affect it by very much,
2: Steve? Well, this is the you know the car sold as new. If you get the performance package, it has twenty one inch. Wheels ten and a half in the front and nine and a half I'm sorry ten and a half inch width in the back and nine and a half in the front, and those they're called uber turbines and those things take off I think the rating goes when I bought it, it was three sixteen without those wheels with the standard package, and with those it was like two ninety nine or three hundred so it took off you know fifteen miles out of three hundred. It's not huge, but it's noticeable, sure.
0: Yeah, and, and oh yeah, and the the type of wheel cover. Yes, right. Because the on the on the Model Threes, I don't know if they have it on the Y's, but they have those uh, wheel covers that look kind of like vents on it. Like they're it's more like a fully covered wheel. Those are for mileage, and so if you get it and and then turn right around and put uh, you know third party wheels on, like I did, you're not going to get the mileage that it says. I just feel like I don't want to have to know all this. <laughs> right? I I want to get in the car and drive. Yeah. And I think if they stopped showing me how many miles I had to go, I'd have been fine. I didn't find this for the first year and a half that you can change it to percentage. So you just Mm -hmm. go, huh, I'm getting down to about 20%. Guess I'll fill up. But looking at, wait, I've got 118 miles. So how how far is that really? Is that really 118? Or if I go uphill, is that going to be 115?
2: And I think that that doesn't come into play for me, at least for the day-to-day driving, because as Allison said, you just plug in at night. Not even every night, but you plug in at night, you don't even have to think about it. But on a long road trip, you do have to think about what is the mileage you're going to achieve to get to that next charging station. That's where it comes into play. And so that is that's one of my dislikes as well is although it's it's diminished because we've learned how to handle it. We've learned how to plan. We have apps that help us. The Tesla, the Tesla app is very good. The one that comes in the car in terms of showing how you should drive, how far you can drive if you want to get to the next supercharger. If you don't have superchargers available, it's a little bit harder but doable with third-party apps.
1: Yeah, like uh, Rod Simmons recommended a better route planner. Right, Which that's one of them. I've recommended to yeah, other people. Our process is go ahead,
0: we get into the car and we start texting Rod. <laughs> that's how we get – we figured it out. I'm not kidding. Every dang time, the poor guy – uh, but but he taught us something really important. This is where my stress level dropped way off was uh, we drive to Fresno on occasion to see Steve's parents. And uh, we were coming back one time and it took us like six hours to get home. I mean, we did hit some traffic, but it's really a four hour drive. But it was because we were doing it wrong. Every time we stopped, we would fill up. Oh. And lithium ion batteries... Uh, fill at a linear rate up to about 60 to 70 percent, any lithium-ion battery, your phone your phone battery, whatever, it's about 60, 70 percent is where they start to roll off. And every minute more that you're charging, you're not getting as much uh, charge. And so sitting there for a full hour is a complete and utter waste of time. What you want to do is take sips along the way. So, you know, you stop after a couple hours, get a Coke, you know, charge for 10, 15 minutes, and then stop again and get another 10-minute charge or a 20-minute charge. And so now we stop and get lunch, and the amount of time it takes us to get lunch, we've actually passed that efficiency point, and we get back on the road. And we got back a lot faster from Fresno the second time
2: we did it. Just more efficient charging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all those little tips and tricks, right, to make it go better. Mm Because if that was your first experience and you weren't high on EVs, let's let's say we'll take my situation where – I was talking. I watched the Model S Plaid event last night. My wife's like, "So is that something you might want to have?" And I was like, "Well, it's one hundred and forty eight thousand dollars, so probably not." Um, and then
0: she said, "And you said, Well, I got twins. I could get rid of one right. of those. They're, they're spares.'
1: Uh, they did come in a pair. I I feel like I need to keep the collection together, but I would be willing to get rid of one." Yeah, that's true. Um, it, uh, the day changes which one I'd rather get rid of, but um. <laughs> No, but uh, you know, we were having this conversation, and um, I forgot my point now. <laughs> what were we talking Sorry. about? No, you
0: were watching the plaid event. I was watching the plaid event, talking to my wife.
1: Range, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that thing's got a massive amount of range. If I was even if I was to take the Model S plaid with its 412 mile range or whatever it ended up being, and we went on a road trip, if there was one bad experience, because my wife is very much um. She likes technology, but she's slow to warm up to it. So if we had one bad experience, that's the experience she's going to have mm-hmm. for not the if rest she had of her life, early. but for a very long time. Um, we once went to Hawaii, and I took all my pictures, and I put them on the computer, and then I had to send the computer for repair, and I didn't back it up. And so for the, <gasps> for our whole marriage, oh. she's like, we didn't go to Hawaii. That was not a – like, I have no memories of that trip. So.
2: Oh, that breaks yeah. my heart. You're still recovering yeah. from that, huh?
1: Oh, no. She she reminded me of it the, the other day, actually. She's oh like, gosh. what do you mean? We didn't go to Hawaii back then. I have no <laughs> memories of that. So, but my
0: Well, let me tell you about the time in 1978 when Steve left me standing outside of the my office building. But,
2: but why don't we move on? We have a list <laughs> to cover here. <laughs>
1: what, what, what do you got, Steve? Hope we've heard a couple from Allison.
2: Um, so mind you some of these things will be specific to the model Y and some are tesla general and some are ev general but one of the ones that's model Y specific is it's got a very limited rear view through the rear view hatch and that's been commented on by many people and and i believe it's it's true um there, there is a much both vertical and horizontal extent of that view is small and the, and the rear-view mirror is small, too. and I think it's sized to just fit your view. Um, I thought that was going to be a problem, but Tesla's got such good cameras, both back up inside. Um, and I think I've just gotten used to it. It's no longer... It doesn't feel like a problem to me. I feel like I've got enough visibility to safely back up. In fact, in some ways more because of the breadth and resolution of the rear-view camera. So that that was one that... Bugged me in the beginning, but after a year, it's not really an issue for me.
0: Let me pile on that. When I switch to Steve's car, I'm like, whoa, that's a small window. So it's definitely the Y over the over the three. Um, but they both share that the the rear view mirror is too small. I actually want to get a, a an, another one. I want to get a third party to put it in there because if the with the window being a little small on the three, but but not as bad as on Steve's car. You don't want to have to have your head in a specific position to be able to see all of that window. You need to be able to see bigger than that window, right? So that your head can be in different positions. I mean, you got to line your head up to be able to see out of the, the rear view window. Like Steve says, if the problem is backing up, that rear view window has nothing to do with backing up because you've got this huge display of the beautiful wide-angle view out of the back of the car, and you've got now you've got cameras showing the side view that you didn't that we didn't used to have. So now you can see, you know, is my side view mirror going to catch on that that post as I pull out or anything? Uh, the visibility is crazy good. I don't notice it for that, but I do get in Steve's car and go. Well, that's, that's like a, a porthole back there. I, I will say, I a,
2: even so, I, I still have to look out the rear view just, just as a check. I, it's a habit, I think, and I won't be broken of.
1: Yeah, same. <laughs> I got that. Uh, my real job is driving a fire truck, and you get that beat into you. Because we have cameras all around all of our trucks. Um, but the big 47-foot-long ladder truck, uh, I don't use anything except for my mirrors. And if I lose one of my backers in the back... Then I'll check the camera to make sure they didn't like fall down or something. But other than that, I, I have the I have a paranoia about that. But I have a theory on why Teslas with the rear view mirrors and the side mirrors and things like that. I think they are putting the smallest they have to. I don't think they want to put any of that stuff in their cars. <laughs> yes. But they're they're obligated to. So they're just slowly over time getting down to a point where it'll just disappear. And yeah. sometimes so that's, that's just too passive cute.
0: aggressive sizing. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, sometimes yeah. it's too cute, right? Because there are valid reasons to have, you know, mirrors. But uh, I, I think that's kind of what they're doing there. My, my, my guess.
0: Yeah, I never thought about that. That's funny. Would they get rid of the back window? <laughs>
1: I well, mean, the some vehicles back don't out. have a dog in look out?
2: Uh, in fact, yeah. what is the what is the rear really? visibility going to be like on Cybertruck?
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm guessing nothing. Like yeah. I think the mirror, I think they showed this at the event and maybe I'm telling stories out of school and I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think the camera is, is connected to the mirror. So the mirror is just a display. It's, it's not really a,
2: a mirror. Wow. I
1: believe, I think they showed that off it, but it's been how many years ago, three years ago, two years ago. Yeah. So I don't know for oh, sure. Wow.
2: There's. Let me just mention another little uh, annoyance. And this is certainly specific to the Model Y and 3 and maybe S and X uh, to a lesser extent. And that is Tesla has simplified things, simplified, I'll put in air quotes, things so much, they've put in most all of the controls on the display. And the only ones left that are knobs or levers would be, um, w- well, would be turn signal. And, uh, lights to some extent, all of these have automations as well, but, but simple things that I've gotten used to over the years, like a glove compartment opening or adjusting your air vent with, without being able, without having to look at anything by just moving your hand over while you keep your eye on the road, that's no longer the case with the Tesla. You've got to do that through a display and uh, sometimes when the car is bouncing around uh, and you're moving, trying to hit your finger on a point on a display, which is just visual, there's no tactile feedback, that, that can be a challenge. You get used to it, but it's, it's something I still, have not, I still have not gotten completely used to. And it, it's a bothersome thing to, on occasion.
0: I'd put that as my number one thing that bothers me. And I, I think there's people, uh, my friend Stephen Getz says that he's had the temperature set on his car to the same number since he got the car. I don't think I drive a half an hour with my car on the same temperature. I'm always up a degree, down a degree, up a degree, down a degree. Uh, oh, it's in my face. I want it off my face. Wait, I want it back she's on my
1: face. he's not joking. Yes, nodding his head. <laughs> no, no. You, you just described my and wife so, and myself. Like I'm like Allison in that regard. My wife, she, she probably, like she gets... Like when I when I drive her car, she's like, "Oh, the seat's in the wrong spot," and she has to do minute little movements to get it back to perfect for her. Mm-hmm. And <laughs>
0: well, the the thing is, like Steve says, if even if it was a control that was at the top of the screen, you'd be okay. But this is a huge screen, and it's along the very bottom, so you're looking down maybe fifteen twenty degrees and over to the right to be able to see that. Um, I, was, I was talking to my friend Stephen Getz again about these kinds of things, and, and we were, he was talking about how he likes having a heads-up display right in front of him or a, a physical display that shows him his speed. And I told him I didn't think that was a problem on the Tesla because it is almost at eye level. It's just down a little bit, and it's big, and you can see what the speed limit is and your speed quite easily. We should clarify. And I think that's a
2: huge. I'm sorry. We should clarify where that display is for people who don't know Tesla's.
0: So on the three and the Y, it's in the it, there's only one display and it's in the center. It's between the, the driver's seat and the passenger seat. The the model Y and I assume and the X have one secondary display in front of the steering column. S and X. But we don't yeah, have that. S and X, yeah. Well, did I say? It? Yeah, S and X. And so uh, but back to the point I was trying to make was was that the the speedometer that's in a great location. That's fine. I mean, it's just a, a just an eye flick down because you're not taking any action on it, but you're taking action on the thing that's down at the bottom of the screen. It's too far away. It's too hard.
1: Yeah, you know, um, after after the EV roundtable that we did on Daily Tech News Show, I had Howard on the show, and he his Kona has a heads-up display, and it has to the tactile buttons. And he said if he was to go away from the Kona, which – who knows if he if he does or not? But if he was to go away from the Kona, he, he would look at outside of Tesla because of those reasons. Because he likes to be able to drive and change the radio or change the temperature without having to to, to hit those touch points on the screen,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which I think is valid. So yeah,
0: temperature and fan, yes, radio. <laughs> what's radio um i don't we listen to podcasts in the car and you can control the podcast you can do the volume up and down with a dial on the steering column you can skip forward with by clicking it forward or back you can click it in to pause it so i can control the quote-unquote radio without having to look away from the from the uh, where i'm driving
1: are you listening to the podcast on through your phone or on the actual tesla uh uh,
0: the phone is broadcasting or is bluetooth through that's cool
1: you can still control it then that's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you see it on screen. You see what you're what you're playing, and you can you can hit the fast forward and pause button there, so the the passenger can change it, uh, the volume and things like that, if if they wanted to. And I I think that that part works well, don't you think, Steve? I,
2: I do. And, and there are other functions that are have voice control, including fan speed and temperature. Now, I've, I don't know why I haven't gotten used to using that much. Allison, are you using it?
0: Well, I think it comes from so many years of thinking it should work on our previous cars Mm -hmm. and on the the Teslas. So, you know, you say things like uh, set the temperature to 69 degrees and it says, uh, you know, changing to 63.7 FM. (laughs) You know, that's what always happens in every car. And, And Tesla for a while, I got a, or Steve found a bootleg list of all the voice commands you could do. And they had one where you could say, it's too hot. And it would change the temperature, but it doesn't change it by one degree. It's like it's like that sarcastic uh, uh, maintenance person who you tell them it's too hot in your office, and they turn the temperature down three degrees, right? So all of a sudden you're freezing. It's too much. But I just the other day I tested it, and I just out of you know just on a lark said set the temperature to sixty nine degrees, and it went yeah okay, and it did. So I don't know how long it's been able to do that, but back when I was testing it with it's too hot and it's too cold, it didn't do that, and. That's one thing I love about the Teslas is we get software updates all the time. So that might have been fixed like a year ago. For all I know, it's probably in the fine print of of what that software update was. But getting software updates is really fun because you see improvements. Sometimes you see things go backwards, but mostly it's been improved. It's Like a
2: phone on four wheels.
1: Yeah. Do Do you both have uh, full self driving?
0: Yes.
2: Well, Well, we paid for full self driving, which gets to one of our level
1: two driving. (laughs)
2: So we we have we paid for full self driving right up front, but we don't have the the FSD beta full self driving beta software release, which has only been released to a few individuals at this point in time. Hopefully, it'll be released here in the near future. I know that Tesla's perfecting their driving algorithms, removing control with the radar and going visual only. And I think that maybe what's slowing down the the release of the full self driving, you know, uh, full release versus beta.
1: Yeah, and some of those thing- are going to slide. Some of those features that you have now, when you finally get that, according to Tesla, said that it's going to go backwards a little bit again, and then catch when they back re- up when
2: they remove the radar sensor.
1: Correct. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so they're gonna start going backwards on a car they haven't released and they haven't given it to us yet. <laughs> <Yes>. Well <laughs> But I only pay I the way I look at it, I only pay five grand for mine that I can't use. Steve had to pay seven grand six. for the one he can't use. Six? six? Yeah. Okay, but it's higher now. Oh, it's yeah, it's 10,
1: ten and could be going to fourteen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's just borrowing money. That a, that's, a, all, that's all that's all Elon's doing. Think how much hubris. money is in the bank. Yeah, Steve. Let's talk about what, what uh, automated driving we so, have because I think that was one of the big reasons we wanted to buy the car.
2: The, okay, I had something back on the infotainment, but we can we can. Oh, no, go back no. there. So, go, yeah, go ahead. So one of my uh, nitpicking things, or one actually one thing I really missed, or I thought I would miss, is not having AirPlay on the Tesla. So AirPlay basically is uh, allows your car to act kind of like a An iPhone in terms of its control for entertainment and for navigation and and other other features you might find on an iPhone or an iPad. So Tesla doesn't support that, and that's partly because they have a fairly well-developed navigation processor and mapping system and so forth. And that has turned out pretty good. Allison and I used to use Waze almost exclusively because it had better information about Tra- upcoming traffic jams and rerouting and so forth. And initially, when we first got our Teslas, we kept using Waze on, on our phones. I've stopped doing that because Tesla's navigation and routing system is pretty good. Um, so that, that is no longer an issue. In terms of the entertainment side of not having AirPlay, again, for us, it's it's not a big deal because we mainly listen to podcasts and the Bluetooth control of your iPhone or other smartphone um, through the Tesla interface is, is good. It's, I have no complaints.
0: And, and set up, set up of it. If you compare it to setting up Bluetooth on the, um, on the um, Acura, Steve. Oh boy. <laughs> night and day. Yeah. I, I have, I have a master's degree in mechanical engineering. I am highly technical. I do a tech podcast. This is what I do. And I don't think I ever successfully connected my phone to my to my uh, Acura. i had finally I'd work on it for like forty five minutes and go, Steve, you do it, and you know he'd get it done, but it'd be like another forty five minutes before you get it done. And on my car, it's just like beep beep boop boop, and you're done. I mean, it works really really well, but, but and it's easy to switch between yep. uh phones. Yep, it was so bad in the in the uh, Acuras was that that Steve and I made a rule that in my car. My phone would be the one on Bluetooth, and if he wanted to use his phone, he had to plug in with USB. And in his car, we would do the reverse because changing was so hard. But on the but it's just like beep, on beep. the Tesla's,
2: it'll switch. Yeah, I mean, you have to force the switch. It doesn't automatically because it doesn't know who should be in control. But uh, if you're really... A- Which
0: it should, because it knows who got in the car. Well... It should, there should be a way to yeah, connect that. Yeah, assuming the
2: driver gets in first, that would be a good algorithm, Then they don't do it. But if you're a real fan of Waze or AirPlay or one of, uh, I'm sorry, CarPlay, Tesla Carplay. is not good. They're, they're going to go with their own system. I don't think they'll ever adopt someone else's infotainment system.
0: You know, I, I do want to make one comment on Waze versus... Uh, Uh, the Tesla navigation, uh, in Los Angeles, Waze is a a critical thing for driving because of the traffic around here. And I don't think you'd ever get the bizarre methods of seeing things you've never seen before that you get with, with Waze. Steve and I have taken paths through North Hollywood that it's like, wow, I didn't know this part of the country existed. Um, and we were driving somewhere to I forget what we bought something online and we're buying it off of a guy and we went to go pick it up and we were talking about the fact that now we test we we trust the Tesla driving navigation and that it's rock solid and it never screws up and it totally <laughs> screwed up that time and we ended up on like a good fifteen minutes away from where we were supposed to be.
1: Yep. That
2: was pretty recent you- too. That was within the past yeah. year
1: what What do you think of the addition of waypoint did you watch the plot event last night
2: no I, I need to go back and see that
1: okay, so they're basically what's waypoints uh shouting to add waypoints into uh the maps and Elon acquiesced finally so that what what is that so if you want if you're going to Fresno for instance, but you want to stop off and have lunch at a specific restaurant, you can plug it in that you can go to the restaurant first and then Fresno. Yeah. Or multiple stops oh, in between. like, duh. <laughs> right? It seems like something they should have had already in the car. So that's yeah. kind of exciting. Yeah.
2: That'll
0: be good. I don't want to underplay, though, how important it is that you do get those software updates. So we had, um, as I mentioned a few times, two uh, two actors and we had Hondas before that. And when the maps got old, it was... I am not joking, $275 to get a new DVD to upload into the navigation system. And we never paid it. Instead, we'd sit there going, yeah, then you're wrong. There's not a road where you just told me there was one. We just lived with the mistakes and problems. And use our phones. And now it's just being updated. Yeah, and <laughs> use the phones.
1: Yeah. When, when we got our van, my wife was like, I really feel more comfortable having the maps on, in the car. And I was like, okay, cool. So we paid, it was 500 or 750 bucks, whatever it was. And then um she feels more comfortable with it, but it is way out of date. Um along the same lines, when we got our Mazda, they um the salesperson set up the Bluetooth uh for her, because initially it was her car. And uh I've never I, I use one of those um little FM transmitters because I can't set the Bluetooth up in that car. And it's not <laughs> worth it to me to go through the headache when I could spend twenty five dollars and have it here in like an hour from Amazon and yeah. just use the transmitter. I'm not, you fan- know, I, mean, I don't need to be that fancy about it. But yeah, um, it, I, I feel your pain on the non-updated maps and connecting Bluetooth.
0: Yeah, so with with Elon finally, you know, deigning to allow us to have such an obvious feature, at least we can get the feature, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter that your car is a couple of years old, you're going to still get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Waypoints could, although technically, if they wanted to, they could enable that all the way back to hardware one, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I would think so. You would think, right? Yeah. Where were we starting to go when we started, um, when we I went think, back to uh, infotainment? The,
2: the auto, auto navigation. Oh, full self-driving. And full self-driving.
0: And- yeah, we haven't talked about that at all. And that was one of the big things I think we bought it for, right, was, mm-hmm. was the self-driving. Steve, why don't you talk about what it's actually like?
2: Well, so... the I, I'm not happy with how the terms Tesla uses, like full self-driving and autopilot. I think they are misleading, but for what they do, for uh, even though they the name may be misleading, I think the driving ability is fantastic in terms of control of the car. Now there are limitations, and so maybe we should get into definitions a little bit. Um, Tesla will um, kind of. I I view it as almost three levels of automation in terms of driving. One is just hold my speed, and so you click down once on the stock, which is the other side of the turn signal, and click down once, and you will you will it'll set the speed you're driving at, like auto uh, like cruise control, but it'll brake and maintain safe distance to the car in front of you if it slows down, and then accelerate at all at speeds. At all speeds, right.
0: All the way to stopped, it'll start back up. So stop and go, it's it's delightful. On the freeway, if you're stuck on yeah. the, you're stuck on the uh, four hundred five coming south past Santa Monica at four p.m. on a Friday, you know, <laughs> it's it's the hell on earth, but it's it's wonderful with uh with the Tesla doing that.
2: Yeah, so that's the the first level of automation. I'd I'd say most nice cars these days have that the second level
0: oh you also set how far behind the car in front of you that you want to right be so you can be a you there's jerk you know normal person and you're driving everybody behind you crazy distances yeah
2: and they do it intelligently they don't set uh it's not a distance setting it's a time time to achieve that position mm. setting I believe.
0: No, it's a picture of a car. Yeah, but it's... It's, it's, it's one car, two car, or three cars. The, so but the,
2: to the human... But the distance that you are following the car based on that setting changes as a function of speed. So if you're going 20 miles an hour, yes. it's a shorter distance. If you're going 70, yes. it's a much longer distance. It, so it intelligently sets the distance and then keeps that distance or goes up to the speed you've set it at and will come to a stop.
0: Stephen, I've argued about this for hours of whether it's distance or or time. It's a picture of a little car, yeah, one car, two cars, three cars. so anyway so that's, so that, that's phase stage one. yeah,
2: so that's like uh, cruise control. And the second would be autopilot, that's what Tesla calls it. So this is where the car will actually steer and maintain a lane that you're in. Um, there are limitations, but for the most part, if that if the if the lane is well marked, Um, It does a a pretty good job at maintaining that lane. And if a a car uh, starts impinging, you'll get warnings. The car will slow down. Um, You you can get um, the wheel shake, I believe, if you start drifting for some reason. But I haven't observed that. I've heard this. Uh, The cases where it's not so good is the ones I've observed. Let's say you're coming, you're on the freeway and there's a merge. And so the the merging lane now um, is uh, connected to the lane, the right lane you're driving in. And it's essentially a broader lane now because that merge lane has become part of your lane and the line of the merge has gone away and it's just a larger lane. Tesla starts to fill in the middle of that. My autopilot will pull the car to the middle. I, I don't drive that way. I just stay, I keep my route straight and let cars come into my right if they need to. I don't fill up that wider lane because of a merge. That's kind of a...
0: I think that's changed, though. Didn't you say that got a little bit better? A
2: little bit. I haven't tested it thoroughly lately, so we got to do a little more testing there. But that bothered me. That was an unnatural action that I would disable. The way you disable autopilot is you can just, you can either hit the brake, you can steer the wheel a little bit. If you do anything that's active, it'll override the autopilot.
0: One of the best tips, and uh, I can't remember who it was, talked about it on a, on a podcast. Maybe you remember, Steve, because I told you when they told us about it, is in order to use this mode, you have to move the steering wheel every once in a while. And that's fine, you know, because you're showing it, you're alert and you're there. And that's part of what, you know, you're not supposed to tie the steering wheel to a, a little thing that jiggles it so that you can read a book in the back seat, But um It's, it's annoying because if you push too hard, it pops you out of the, the uh, navigation, you know, out of auto driving. And that's the last thing in the world you want. And if you don't do it enough, it keeps nagging you, but it does give you a blue blinking thing and it, it starts to let you know that you've got to, got to take control. Somebody pointed out that if you use the scroll wheel on the right, it, it, uh, it tells it that you're awake. Oh you know, that you're there. So that's a lot easier than grabbing the steering wheel and trying to get that subtle spot between moving it to let it, you know it's there, and moving it too much. Yeah,
1: yeah I, was- I know that Brad and Sierra, when they were going, I think it was to Texas, or maybe they were going to New Orleans. I can't remember. One of their very long trips, they actually got put in timeout because... no, mm-hmm. oh, because they didn't do it enough? Well, and they're very, very paranoid about not paying attention. Like they, Like if one of them is kind of... Whoever's driving, the other one's monitoring the driver. They're very, Mm, (laughs) they're very particular. No, it's it's great because I don't want dead kids. But um, it's very funny to hear them them talk about the whole thing. But because of that thing where you got to give the shake, and the car was still fairly new to them, they would just do it and it would pull them out. And then after a while, um, through experimentation, you know, they just locked them out for a little bit.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, tell them about that little no, I'm, scroll I'm wheel. Gonna,
1: I'm putting that uh, away right here.
0: Yeah. One of the things I've noticed, I so I don't do a lot of the driving. Steve likes to drive. So uh, when we go on long drives, especially in a lot of the freeway tri- stuff, I am I live in fear that I'm going to be that little old lady who doesn't actually know how to drive and she's afraid of the freeway because he likes it so much. So uh, I don't get to drive on the freeway with the, the automated driving very often. When I do I find it less relaxing than driving myself. I find myself really anxious watching what it's doing and paying attention. I find myself tense. The the stop and go stuff, I love that. That works great, but I I'm I'm constantly watching to see what decisions it's going to make and I'm I'm definitely not to the point where I trust it yet. How do you feel on that,
2: Steve? There are situations where I do. Obviously, I monitor and keep my wheel. I'm very I'm very, very alert that this car could make a mistake at some point. So I, I need to be able to take over at any instant. But for the, for the most part, I trust autopilot. The cases where I don't are, for instance, if, if we're in the carpool lane and there's virtually no shoulder and we have a wall next to us on the left, I just, uh, I don't trust the autopilot enough to give it control. I I've, I'm two feet from that wall, maybe three feet, probably three or more going 70 miles an hour and the smallest jerk is going to not, not end up well. So
0: not that it's ever made a mistake. No, I
2: just like I, that. But- maybe I, I err a little bit more to the right than the car wants to drive. I'm just not comfortable under that situation. Um I get a
0: I think it's the walls cuz I feel the same way when you're the one driving and we're up against that wall. <laughs> I I am anxious the entire time when we're driving up against a wall yeah. cuz there's no there's no get out of this, right?
2: And yeah. I tend to only use that autopilot feature when there's not a lot of traffic because I I would rather be in control of of the steering when I'm close to other cars. Braking like, I'm a little, you know, for for cruise control, I'm a little less con- concerned about, but the slightest jerk of the wheel left or right, when I'm that close to a car, um, I'm not quite comfortable with yet.
1: I think I, I would be on the same page as you, Steve, in terms of that, it, when we finally get it. I will say Sierra never drove the car like she she would not drive any car. Um, we had to force her to get a car. Well, we gave her a car and we had to force her to drive when she turned 16 and she just didn't like driving. She didn't like driving on the freeway um, when they were here because they spend a little time in Phoenix and then other places around the country. So when they're they're here, if she wanted to come over, I would have to go pick her up or Brad would have to drive her here. And then when they got the Tesla, she felt more confident about driving on the freeway and safer. And so, you know, she'll show up at the house with the dog and uh, just be really like, hey, I just thought uh, I'd go for a drive and come over and that's a nice thing. Well, that's interesting, for sure. Yeah, but for her, it was a it was the catalyst that actually got her to drive, which Brad really appreciates because it's exhausting to be the only person that drives. But yeah,
0: the one thing I want I did want to say about when the self driving makes a mistake, it's in all cases I would say it's because it's being too cautious. It's making a mistake that might be dangerous. So, for example, uh, driving on a curve underneath the shadow of a bridge, it's like, whoa, I don't know what to do. This is so confusing. I don't know. And, and you know, and it'll slow way down. It's like you're going to get rear-ended because you're being too cautious. You, didn't, you knew where the lines were. They're painted right there. Everything's fine. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I haven't seen cases where it was erring to the side of dangerous except for being too cautious and therefore being dangerous. Would you, you, mean, you agree with that? You haven't Steve? seen
2: it be too aggressive in its driving.
0: Yeah, except for lane changes, it's kind of fast at the lane changes. It's like whoosh, yeah. So I mean, it just jerks it on over yeah, there.
2: Something we didn't mention: autopilot. One of the features, if you turn the turn signal on, it will check the uh, how clear it is on the left or right, where, whichever direction you're changing to, and it'll a- automatically change into that lane and then turn the turn signal off and start driving the new lane. So that's a nice feature, except when there's a lot of traffic around and you cut somebody off, Uh, at least. Well, I don't know if it cuts anybody
0: off. It's just that it's a even if you've got a big, wide open space to move into. It just moves really quickly. I sort of ease on over in case somebody I'm not watching is making a mistake and coming in the lane at the same time. I kind of ooze in a little bit. Maybe I do it too slowly, but it, it's really fast. When we first got your car, I remember we tested a lane change mm-hmm. and it totally should not have taken that lane change. There yeah. was somebody coming, yeah. but it, but it hit it. And it accelerated, and it did not slow them down. But it was a jerk move. Yeah. I mean, it was—you would have been annoyed if you'd been behind him.
2: I think they've gotten a little better with software updates, but it's—I still would rather change the lane myself, unless I'm in a wide-open road, and then I, then it's just easier to use the autopilot.
1: Yeah, and in, in that scenario, Allison, that you talked about with the—you're going under a bridge and there's a shadow. I wonder if that will get better with vision, because Andre Karpathy the Tesla's head of the AI uh, machine learning. I can't remember what his official title is. He, he basically said that a soda can, a trash can, and like, you know, a tanker truck to radar are roughly the same size. It doesn't have the ability to differentiate that size. And so they have to go in and that's when they go through and they tag these, um, what it actually is. So like a stop sign, they're tagging it so that the machine machine learning, you know, actually learns what it is and doesn't freak out when it sees a stop sign. So I wonder if that will get actually better with with uh, true vision, pure vision, is what it's mm-hmm. called. That's over time,
0: but that's not a software update.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, right. No, that would be software.
0: Oh, I thought this was when they added. They're getting rid of the radar. Well, going,
1: your radar will be turned off when they do it.
2: Oh, and and current. So there are cameras list. in our cars. Current Teslas will no longer be made. In fact, I think starting now they no longer include the radar. But our existing radars that are in the cars will be disabled, and they will rely on the I same algorithm because they we have the same cameras.
0: Oh, oh, I'm happy. Yeah, I thought that. I thought we were going to be left in the dust on that one. No, nope. oh, that's good news.
2: Yeah. But as
0: you're a radar engineer, Steve, is that true that you don't know radar can't tell the difference between a Coke can and a trash can and a semi?
2: Potentially, it depends on the shape and the radar return. So radar just looks at the amount of energy coming back. You have something as small as a corner reflector, which is like the inside corner or cube of a box that looks huge. Uh, no even if it if it's made of metal and it's you know just a small size it offers a gigantic radar because everything is a retro reflection everything that comes that hits that corner this is a three-dimensional corner will be reflected back okay. whereas most things are diffuse and they reflect in many directions and you get a small percentage of what hits that object coming back but uh, so that's okay. why it depends very much on the shape and size of whatever is being hit with that radar energy and reflected
0: but the shape may be more so. The shape affects it quite a bit. Because you're saying a bit. small corner reflector makes it look a lot bigger if than it is. If there are
2: corners or angles that cause double reflections, retro reflections back, back. that's what causes okay. something to look large.
0: How about a parabolic that's reflector? Even,
2: well, it's essentially a three uh, a smooth corner reflector. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that looks like the moon. Yeah. Right? <laughs>
1: I didn't know you did radar engineering. I greatly oversimplified that. And Andre, do you have ever heard that guy talk? He is so smart, yeah. but yeah, he talks at a level that I can understand it. But if you get a chance, look at it. Uh, he's got a couple of YouTube videos, not him, where he's actually spoken at events, and he makes it, he breaks it down to such a simple and easy way of understanding what the Tesla is looking at and what they're doing. And he even mm-hmm. has like real time, not real time, I guess, recorded. Uh, um, what the radar seeing and then he just explains it as he walks through it. Maybe it wouldn't be interesting to you, but it was very oh, interesting cool. to me. Oh, I would
2: love to see it. Is he the in charge of the uh, the navigation part of Tesla? What's his I title? Think,
1: I thought that he he might be. Let me see here. Com- he's a computer scientist. I do researcher. think that
0: people who can explain it, explain something to the laymen are the are the or lay humans are the uh, smartest people. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes, he he's actually the director of artificial intelligence and autopilot oh. vision now. That was okay. there before and at Tesla, and he's only thirty-four.
2: I I need to hear this guy talk.
1: Yeah, no, Andre. he's really good. It's A N D R E J, mm-hmm. and then Karpathy, K A R P A T H Y. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So I have two little tiny knits and one sort of uh, real knit. Which one do you want next?
1: Um, the silly ones? I prefer to save silly the, for the end, if we can.
0: Okay. Okay. One of the cool features of the Tesla is that it'll auto park for you. So if you pull up next to a car with a, a, uh, an empty space for parallel parking, it's supposed to do it for you. And the way it does it for you is it offers it to you on screen. You'll, you'll see a big blue P or a white P on a blue background where the parking place is. It'll basically offer to take control. You tap it and it'll parallel park your car. Steve, how many times has our car, either of our cars offered to parallel park for us? I
2: think twice for me.
0: Oh, I think it's zero for me. Like never, ever, ever. We were in the perfect situation where there's a spot big enough, but it was real tight. And Steve and I just kept trying to get the car into a spot where it would do it for us and never succeeded. But I meant to tell you, when I went to the dentist and I could pull in backwards into uh, a stall, it gave me a, a, you know, a a parallel stall or yeah, not parallel parking, but, you know, parking stalls. It offered to do it for me. And? Uh, And once before it, it did okay. It went a little close to one car that, that... Their driver's side, I would have gone closer to the other, the passenger side of the other car. Um, But in that same spot, it had offered it to me before, and I had already parked. So I thought, okay, well, let's see if you can do any better. And it went, -er, 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 -er," did a whole bunch (laughs) of little maneuvers. And when it was done, it was at about a five-degree angle to parallel. (laughs) It's like, well, I could do that. So it's a feature I really, really want, and I don't know how to make it, it, offer it to me. I want it more often.
1: You know, the first time I drove a Model 3, I went to Kierlin Commons, I went to the Tesla store, did a, 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 a test drive. And at the very end, we're driving by and the salesperson goes, that's my Tesla right there. And right next to it was an open spot. And he goes, pull up over here. And he, I don't know how, because I wasn't really paying attention. He made it so that pop-up came up so that we could park, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I am mean, very brave with his personal Model 3 sitting there. But when we went in, we were about, I don't know, maybe halfway in, and then the tires and the rim started rubbing on the concrete. Um what? little barrier thing. And I was like, Do you want me to stop this? He's like, No, no, it's okay, it'll fix it. <laughs> and we got out. The poor rim the rims on the driver's side of the car were just scratched all the heck he's like it's fine Aww. he's like we'll just get new ones i was like okay Aww. but it was like good demo dude good demo yeah yeah
0: how long ago was that maybe i don't want it to offer it to <laughs> no <me. laughs> that
1: was at least three years ago so, okay. so you're safe
0: all right maybe it's better now if
2: it ever offers yeah, it just, to me i'm gonna let just it be ready it. to take over
1: yeah i felt terrible <laughs> but uh, again you know he's just like no no just it'll it'll it will it'll correct itself and it never did
0: well, it's correcting, by <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh,
1: that that poor curb. It's horrible.
2: What
0: else you got, Steve?
2: Um, here's here's another little complaint, kind of unique to the Model Y and Model Three now, I believe. Gara- auto garage door opening. Uh, one of the standards out there, the industry standards, is called HomeLink, which allows you to link um, some electronic piece of gear in your car, which is HomeLink compatible, with your garage door open with your garage door so you can open and close remotely. That came standard in the Model um, 3 for a couple years, including when Allison got her car. It's no longer standard. So to get... However, you can spend $300 and have this Homelink module added to your Model Y, but only after you purchase it. You have to go in for a service. That kind of bothered me because... That should be part of the car as an option, in my opinion. That's not something I should have to go to the dealer and get it added on. If you know I want it in advance, um, which I, I ended up doing, uh, small annoyance, extra money. Elon says they did that. They took it out as a you know a standard because they weren't getting enough people using it. I that's hard to believe. How, How many do people, people would using- not use well, an automatic know. garage door opener? Who who have it? Maybe, maybe I'm overestimating how many people have automatic garage door openers, but I will say the implementation of HomeLink on the Tesla is fantastic. And you might say, well, what what can be so good about implementation of a garage door opener? The one that I had that I had to click, or even the one that was in my RDX that was built in, I had to hold the button until I saw my garage door respond. That is, start opening, or the little mm-hmm. light come on. And so I'm driving while holding the button as I'm approaching my garage or leaving the garage door. This button, home link, um, you press it once, you tap it essentially because it's on the display. And it's tap and forget, and it continuously transmits until the garage door opens or closes. So it's a better implementation in terms of hit and forget. And it's very reliable.
0: Yeah, it's, it's rock solid. It's rock solid. Every once in a while, I go, oh, wait, it didn't get it. And I reach to start tapping it again, and then the garage door starts to move.
1: Oh, that's good. I didn't even know that. I knew that they had home link, but I didn't realize that you just tapped it, and then that's all you did. Yep, one tap.
2: Yeah. No, you don't have to continuously press, which kind of annoyed me before. And you couldn't quite tell when it... You know, as you're holding, well, is it? Did it catch it or not? You have to actually be watching the garage door closely to see if it's closed or opened or whatever. Now it's just. Well, I also
0: remember on our previous cards, you were always fooling around with the antenna for the uh, that on the garage door opener, trying to get it into a better position because it seemed like, like if you came from one side of the street, you could it would catch it, but the other one it wouldn't, and we'd be sitting outside pressing and pressing and pressing. I don't think I've ever had it not open from the yeah, Tesla.
2: Very reliable, as you said.
0: I mean worth three hundred bucks, but why didn't they just put it in the car when they built yeah.
2: it? Small annoyance.
1: What do you think about them yeah. removing the lumbar support from the passenger side of the car?
2: Um I heard that from you. That's pretty yeah, weird. Yeah, and we both have it. I guess it was removed after ours. I I guess I can see that in many cases people the passenger wouldn't use it, but I bet there are a lot of passengers that do and are probably disappointed or the the owners are now disappointed that it's now no longer available well
0: Bodhi made the point on the on the show on the most recent episode that uh the problem was people weren't changing it so he they're interpreting that as you're not using it but right. why would you change it
2: yeah once you have it set to Just your, because you good position right if, if it's the same person in in the car or in the passenger side frequently you yeah I could see them not changing it
0: to be honest, I didn't know we had that. But. <laughs>
2: there you go. You're proving the case. Guess,
0: maybe, maybe. And most of us drive alone in our cars, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the only, my wife almost never gets in my car, and it's only because we drive, we have a minivan. So we drive the minivan for pretty much every family thing. And then I only pick my kids up in my car from school, and that's pretty much it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Probably not a lot of messing around with it, right? No. If it was there. So one of the things that that I've definitely gotten used to but is uh, just done wrong is the door handles on the Model 3 and Model Y. You took mine. On the outside. So, well, I I gave you an opening. I said, what else you got? You didn't say it. So um, the the Model Y and Model 3 is is sort of like a little hockey stick. And first of all, other people walk up to the car and go – I got no idea how to open the door to your car. What am I supposed to do? And it's like, well, push on it. And they go, Oh, okay. So that's fine. It's not that hard to learn, but you, you push into it on one side and the, and the non hockey stick part pokes out and you grab it. But it's not easy to do that. Open the door and then grab the door. If you have to do it with one hand, you pretty much have to, I mean, if you can pull it all the way open and have it hit a detent, then you're okay. But like in our garage, our cars are parked close enough together that if I open my car all the way, it would hit Steve's car and then he would divorce me. So I have to pull it partway open and then jerk my my knee or my elbow or something in to grab the car door from the inside and then keep the rest of the motion. I've got it down now, but you know, I should be able to just hold that thing. It kind of slips out of your hand.
2: And it's very predictable that if a person who's new to a Tesla gets into your car, you're going to have a little explaining to do.
1: Just yeah. to,
0: well, they can't get they out. Can't get out, right? That was just getting in. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, uh, the Teslas. Yeah. So the Teslas have a, on the on the uh, where you rest your your arm. Let's say on the passenger the driver's side, you rest your arm on the little armrest there. There's four uh, black buttons with white lines on them that are immediately recognizable as push window down, pull window up, right? You know what that is. But there's no obviously visible door handle to get the door open. Instead, there's another button that looks just like a window button. And you press that, it pulls the window down a little bit and then pops the door and then you push it the rest of the way. If there, if you're unlucky, the person reaches under where the handle is, and there is a pull that you—it's an emergency pull to break the door open. Mm-hmm. And it's the first thing I did when we went to look at the Tesla in the showroom. Was I did that? The guy's like, "Oh no, don't do that! Don't do that! It's <laughs> bad, bad for the window." After a while, to keep opening it that way. But I wonder how many people just open it that way and never do get the hang of it.
1: Right, and the the, the window comes down because it's a frameless window, right? Correct. I'm remembering right. that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: And so enough yeah. uh, enough of those emergency openings, and you can put stress on the window, and it can break or or tear the uh, the liner, the rubber gasket.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: It, it it causes a dopey problem that only people like us would worry about. Is we uh, we're fanatical about keeping our cars really clean. We're the only people in California who keep two cars in our garage, I think. And uh, uh, when you're you you wash the car and then you squeegee the windows. When you open the front passenger door, it's going to pull the window down a little bit, which means it's going to get water along the edge of the window. Well, you're okay because you're going to close the door. You're going to get out, and you squeegee it again. You clean the edge, but there's water on the inside of the window. Well, you open the door to get to it. Well, you <laughs> can't get to it. you got to close the door, and then you got to wipe it down. Well, nope, you did it again. So you basically live with this streak of water spot at the bottom of the window. It's it's horrible. It's a nightmare, yeah. really.
2: First world problem.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was really... F- Shocked to find out when I moved to Arizona that a lot of people don't keep their cars in the garage like wow! when my whole childhood I all all I wanted was a garage when I got older because we didn't have any and I lived in Alaska and then I I guess we did when I was older like when I was a teenager but that my dad parked his cars in there not we didn't I, I parked my car outside. But, uh, yeah, my whole dream of a young lad was just to have a garage that you can get in and it's not too hot and it's not too cold as compared to what the temperature is outside. And then, you know, we have people all down my street very respectfully, but, um, like it's not like they're up on blocks or anything. It's just, they're, (laughs) they're just, just looks kind of trashy. Yeah. They're just cars on the road or cars, you know, on the, in the driveway, not too many cars on the road in this little area, but. Yeah, I was like, why?
0: Our neighborhood has a, a lot of really nice cars parked outside. There's there's a lot of Teslas, and they're sitting... I mean, our neighbors across the street have a three-car garage, uh, two Teslas, and they only fit one car in the garage. Oh, yeah. Is a three-car, two and a half, easy. Two and a half, Could yeah. have fit in there. I mean, we have the silliest, narrowest little garage, and we get two cars in. We have to measure the, the garage before we can buy a car. It's that small.
1: Yeah, our... We, our house was made built in the '80s, so everything in our house is fairly big, which is nice. But the mm. the, the uh, house down the road, um, my one of my kids' friends, um, she lives with her papa, and her papa has a, it's a nice sized house, you know, but it's a two car garage. And he bought a Maserati, and I was like, "Dude, why are you parking your Maserati in the driveway?" Oh, and he's like, "Oh, well." <laughs> He's like, it's fine, and I was like, why are you parking your Maserati?" <laughs> because his dad, his dad was in his eighties or his ni- almost ninety, and he passed away of COVID, sadly. But this guy was mm-hmm. like a, a real, like he was like a stud. He was out m- mowing the lawn with his shirt off, <laughs> and he was like muscular at ninety. Wow! Um, but it, sadly, COVID got him. But he just keeps his dad's uh, Cadillac in there because for sentimental mm-hmm. reasons. But I was like, "Why?" Why are you parking the Maserati We out don't here? live
0: in a. I'm going to make this sound like we live in a fancy neighborhood. We do not. We're not even the in the nice part of the neighborhood that, of the of the town that we live in. But um, there's a, a house down the street that has. Uh, I don't know what these people do for a living, but parked in the uh, in the driveway is a, a higher end BMW, a Maserati, uh, a Bentley. And I forget what the fourth car is, but it's not as cool. I think the Bentley is the most expensive car, probably, and then the Maserati after that, but these, these are in the driveway. It's like, what's in the garage? I've never seen the garage open, so maybe there's some maybe that's where the rolls is I don't maybe. Know.
2: or
1: the yeah, shop. I don't I don't want to paint a picture of the neighborhood I don't live in. Like we're very lucky to live here because uh, uh, it, it's like no HOA and everybody's super cool and keeps their yards clean, and we all, we all get along. Like every Halloween we get together and hang out, so I'm very, very fortunate to live in the neighborhood I live in. But there's no, there's, there's one Maserati, and you know that that's it. It's not like there's a bunch of cars, a couple Teslas, normal cars. Um, But most people have like Ford Explorers and stuff. Nothing, nothing too crazy.
0: What else you got on your list, Steve? I've only got one uh, left, uh, and I don't want to snake yours again. No,
2: I'm I'm out of dislikes. I got a couple likes I want to say, but I don't know for a lot. Go go with your dislike.
0: Well, you can take over as soon as I say what the dislike is, because <laughs> you did all the work do on you know, this. Do you know what? The, um, the the thing that uh, I think they made a poor materials design decision was the uh, piano black center console on the Model Y and the Model 3. When I bought the car, Rod Simmons said, Allison, you're going to want to put a wrap on that. And I said, why? And he said, because it's going to get scratched. I said, ah, it's not going to get scratched. I'm careful in my car. got scratched immediately. And even with the scratches, it wasn't even the scratches. It was always dusty. No matter, no matter what, I was constantly wiping it with my hand to try to wipe off the dust. It was really annoying. So Steve fixed it.
2: Yeah. So piano back black console. So it's got three segments, as Allison said, scratches, also fingerprints. So this thing never really looked good until right after you wiped it down with some glass cleaner, right? in a soft cloth. Um, the other thing tied to this is the the dash, the thin dash that's right above the, con- the console and above the display, is wood or wood grain. Maybe it's maybe it's simulation, simulated wood, which didn't really go with so, anything else in the car. And so the normally I'm used to. A, it
0: wasn't a dark, rich wood either.
2: No, it was
1: like a oak. Yeah, like, a light, light a right? light.
2: What? Maple or.
1: something. Yeah, it's like a light wood.
2: Yeah. It had grain and it looked fairly realistic. It just didn't fit the car. So I went with a wrap and I, I won't, I forget who made it, but it's one of the popular uh, ones uh, for both the three segments of the center console, as well as the, the dash so that they would all match. And I went with a black carbon wrap, carbon fiber wrap. I mean, it's, it's simulated. It's it's obviously not true carbon fiber, but it's really a really good simulation of carbon fiber, and I'm really pleased with how it turned out both on both of our cars. Uh, that was an annoyance I'd forgotten yeah, about. Yeah,
0: it it really look, It looks rich and and luxurious now, and I, and I I didn't mind the wood. That didn't look that bad to me. And But as soon as Steve covered it with this faux carbon fiber. It, it looks fantastic. I mean, I really, really like it. So I think they made a poor choice on on the materials. And I, I don't want to say that uh, Tesla has a market on poor materials. We never owned a single Honda or Acura, and we owned them f- since from 1978 until we bought the Teslas. Uh, we never had one that didn't have some materials problem. So maybe there's something wrong with every car. I don't know.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, my, uh, my Mazda has a leather dash. And if you can imagine, like, if I take it to the the car wash and I have them do it, I, I have to explicitly explain to like three different people, four different people, please do not spray Armor All on my dash oh, oh. because oh, you will geez. ruin my dash. It's, oh. And it wasn't it was like a thirty thousand dollar car when we bought it, so it wasn't like an extremely expensive vehicle. But every single time, the, uh, every single time I take it to the car wash and I let them do it, I'm just like. Fingers crossed that they don't put that stuff on my, my seats or my console or my dash because mm. uh, oh, it's a pain in the rear to get it back to to somewhat normal.
2: I can imagine. I just thought well, of hey, one more I thing. I failed
0: on one thing. Oh, okay, right. good.
2: Uh, this isn't a specific gripe that I have, but I'm on so many forums and I read a lot of stuff. I Maybe I've been influenced by them. I can't tell if it's Tesla or... Or if you get on other car forums, they're like this. But there seem to be a lot of quality control issues out of the gate when the car is first delivered. Or possibly it's only the people who are seeing the quality control problems of a newly delivered car are complaining a lot on the forums. And you hear from them, but you don't hear about the people who are satisfied. Like Allison and I didn't really have any severe problems. I had three or four which were rectified when I took it in for its first service. And we're t- I'm talking finish and fit kind of issues, mainly fit where, you know, people complain about panel gaps a lot. I'm not super picky, but but the automatic door for the charging port did not align at all. It was probably off by an eighth of an inch on how flush it was not. <laughs> so they were able to fix that. Uh, there were a couple other minor issues, but there are a lot of complaints I've seen uh, online and in the forums about, the new, uh, p- particular the Model Y, and it may have been they, they were really rushing to make some numbers. I don't know if they, um, uh, so this may be a temporary issue that goes away or goes in surges depending on their build rate and how many new people they've got on the line. I'm not sure how real it really is, but it, it did not impact us directly.
0: Well, now look on the bright side. When they built my car, I got uh, an extra tool. There was a, a nut driver in the back seat, so you know. Yeah, and it was the oddest nut driver I've ever seen. You know, you're going fast when you run out of tools. <laughs> I mean, you're like, wait, where'd that come from?
1: That's funny. Yeah. Did you did you have the positive thing you wanted to say, Steve? Yeah, the kudos. Well,
2: so, if if there's one thing that I just love, well, two or three things. One is called one foot driving. There are three driving modes mm-hmm. uh, in terms of when you let off your, your, let your foot off the accelerator, how quickly does the car decelerate? You can make it decelerate like a normal ICE engine, for so it just gradually slows down. You can have it be a little more aggressive and take more uh, advantage of the regenerative braking, and it slows down faster like a go-kart or a golf cart. And then the the final step is the hold mode where you let your foot off the, the accelerator. It'll slow down to the point of coming to a stop in a graceful manner, but come to a complete stop. So essentially you can estimate, and you get used to this uh, of not using the brake by just letting off the accelerator and coming to a stop where you want to at a stop sign by just feathering the accelerator as you let off. And this one foot driving is so nice when you're in let's say, stop and go, and you're not using uh, cruise control, or you're just driving around, you you forget how annoying it can be to take your foot off the accelerator, on the brake, back and forth, back and forth. So this one-foot accelerator-only driving is really relaxing, I find.
0: I I agree, Steve. I think that's in my my top five things I love about the car. I just... It is so relaxing, exactly everything that you said. And we realized something else about that is that's actually, I think, a safety feature. If yep. you're flying down the highway at 70 miles an hour and something happens in front of you, you need to stop quickly. There's, there's time from when you lift your foot off the accelerator until you get to the brake. And during that time, your car is going just as fast as it was when you had your foot on the accelerator. That's not true when you're driving a, a car with regenerative braking, and that's not separate just to just to the, the Teslas. So the instant you let go of that, that car is slowing way down very, very quickly as you're reaching for the brake. And I think that's I think that's a huge advantage. Yep. I love it. Yeah. I talked to a guy at, uh, or maybe Steve did at a, a local place where we were getting a tire replaced or something like that, and the guy said he had done his first uh, uh, brake job on a Tesla. And it had 100,000 miles on it.
2: Yeah, that was you, yeah. You, you, you just don't use it. Yeah. The other thing I love, I, I just can't get over the acceleration of this thing. It's just, it's instantaneous, it's smooth, it's constant. It's, once you put your foot on the accelerator, and if you put it on hard, you will, you feel that force in your back, like a ride at Knott's Berry Farm, or, you know, it's, it feels like a roller coaster in some sense. Uh, Now, we did get the performance models, which are a little bit peppier, but I think even the standard models are pretty – it's hard to even compare to an ICE car in the way it accelerates. Yeah.
0: There is a danger, though. Sure. I showed it off. Uh, I like to show it off to people. I get them in my car, and I tell them, put their head back against the headrest, and then I hit it. And, And I don't really hit it. I kind of hit it, I like maybe 70%, 80% as fast as it really can accelerate, and it always gets a big squeal out of them, and it's a lot of fun. But I made the mistake of doing it to a friend of mine twice in a row on the same drive, and I had a headache for the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> That's how bad that happened. It is. That happened to Brad. Or how good it is. They gave us a Model really? Y to play with overnight, and uh, he was trying to keep his head away from the, the headrest. So my kids oh. are in the back, Brad's in the front. And then I took off, and I said, "Everybody ready?" And they said, "Ready." And uh, I hit it, and uh, he got a little sick. Yeah, And he had okay. to take oh. a few minutes to, to collect himself.
0: Got to think about what did your brain just
2: do inside your skull when? Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it turned into gravy. It
2: around. <laughs> <laughs> so my last like is, and this is true probably in general for EVs. It's certainly true for the Model Three. It's surprisingly true for the Model Y, and that is stability of driving because that battery pack is so low and so heavy that it corners pretty darn well. I mean, I'm not a, a, a car fanatic. I do like cars. I like driving, but I don't race. I don't race. I don't go to the track or anything like that. Nonetheless, I, I can feel when a car is stable in a turn, a, a good fast turn, and these things turn flat. Um, for the most part, the Model Y is a little taller. It's a little heavier, so you do feel a little more lean. But for an SUV, I, I've never felt an SUV turn like this thing. It's just rock solid stable, and the things don't. These things don't turn over or don't roll over very easily. I've seen some crash tests where they go, they push the car sideways into sand to get it to roll over, and this you can see the Model Y is like. Sixty degrees, seventy degrees, almost ninety, and it rolls back onto its belly. It just that battery pack wow. is so low and so heavy. It, it's which really, car, which car was it? That was a Model Y. I was surprised. Wow! It got very good rollover uh, ratings.
1: And I have very limited, I have very limited experience driving a Tesla in the wind, but it doesn't doesn't get pushed around like my Mazda does or our van does. It it stays pretty. Mm-hmm. glued to the road whereas uh, yeah. you'll occasionally get hit with a gust of wind on the van and you know you're two feet from where you were just a little jerk <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't experience that with a tesla yeah i i agree well,
0: i have one big regret with this conversation i i even wrote myself a note to remind myself i was going to try to get you to say rear wheel drive
1: rear wheel drive <laughs> yeah you did it <laughs> you know what and this is this is this sounds really stupid it's actually hard to say. Well, no, I had a speech impediment when I was a kid, and don't feel bad. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you. Yeah, mad. oh, good. No, no, no good no, no. job,
2: Allison. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I had a speech impediment as a kid because I'm a little deaf in my right ear, so I didn't hear words correctly. And we think my son might have something similar, but and his speech is way better than mine was at his age. But uh, yeah, and I also had a stutter because I would get nervous. So you'll hear me, and I don't. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. Like, it's just who I am. Um, but, uh, yeah, occasionally you'll hear me stutter and try to get through something because when I get nervous, I just really start to get that stutter going, which is super embarrassing. Well, that is when
0: that is a hard phrase to say. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, no, it is. Occasionally I'll be on the radio, like, through work, and I'll be trying to relay a radio transmission in an emergency scene, and I'll get on there and I'll go, tick, 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 which is fun. <laughs> <I> get <laughs> you get their right. attention that way. Yeah, I get a little grief when I get back to the station. What was that all about? I don't know.
2: (laughs)
0: By the way, the way I say it, because I actually have trouble saying it too, is think of Wheel of Fortune. Rear-wheel-drive wheel of fortune. If you say it like that it comes out just fine. I will forward to say whoa whoa whoa. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Next next podcast, Bodie will be saying rear wheel drive of fortune. No. Oh, yes, yes. yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean you'll you'll notice that uh, I could stop and I could re-record that section which sometimes I'll do but I'll just not Oh no, through. I love that you don't. Yeah.
0: No, I love that you don't. I, I, it's one of the endearing things about the show, especially when you start to say, "You know, this happened in Phoenix, or was that Alabama? I, I don't know." <laughs> and then you move on. You know, I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I get my facts mixed up a lot. Not not so much facts; it's just like memories. You know, or just trying to pull yeah. things out of, out of the air. Allison, did you have anything uh, any kudos you wanted to give to Tesla about your car that you haven't mentioned already?
0: Nope. I will give kudos to Steve for talking me into it
1: yeah and rod
0: and yeah rod, and yeah. rod rod's rod's a big enabler that's for yes sure. i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna reach out to rod and probably in july and see if i can get him on i want to know more about his one percent rolling into the charging stations and oh. how much confident he has oh, in, he's nuts in not he's ruining nuts. his battery
0: well, I'm going to cut off our recording right there because uh, after that, Bodhi just says all these really nice things about the no silicast and chit-chat across the pond. So you guys already know all that stuff. Anyway, we had a just a fabulous time with Bodhi. And again, you should go look up the Kilowatt Podcast. If you want to learn about electric vehicles, not just Teslas, but all different electric vehicles, the news about what's going on with them and, uh, you know, recalls and Battery technology changes, factories being uh, designed. It's a really, really terrific show. Definitely go find the Kilowatt Podcast in your podcatcher of choice. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet Podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the Nocella Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other no Silica castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening, and stay subscribed.